Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Oderico, and joining me is LPJ professional Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts. We're broadcasting live every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the blogtalkradio.com network, bringing you some of the best golfers, teaching professionals, and entrepreneurs helping to elevate women's golf. We're so glad you decided to join us this morning, so grab your coffee and let's get started. All right, good morning, everybody, and good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. Welcome back to uh, what is now Season 6 here on the Women of Golf Show. It's hard to believe we've been on air that long. I'm not sure I believe you. <laughs> what are you trying to say? It feels like we've been on longer or less. We might be less. I don't know. Less. I, might have, I might have my number. You think l- less? I do. I don't believe it. Well, I'll have to, I'll have to check, but... Either way, we're excited to be back for, for a new season. We'll just leave it that way, and we'll, we'll debate the, uh, the, which season it is at a later point. But uh, welcome, everybody, and thanks for, for joining uh, Cindy and I this morning here on the Women of Golf Show. We've got a great show for you this morning. We're going to be starting off here in just a moment or two um, with a great discussion, and then we're going to be joined a little bit later on uh, by Mike Hill from Blast Motion, a uh, great uh, product, and he's going to tell us all about that and some of the ways that it's going to help, especially you amateurs out there, uh, elevate your game. But, Cindy, uh, now, what I wanted to do here uh, this morning for us is to talk a little bit. Uh, now, I didn't go, just let me preface this, I didn't go to the PJ Merchandising Show again this year. Unfortunately, I was not able to go. Um, I know you did, but I did watch some of the Golf Channel coverage, and uh, the was definitely some interesting stuff down there. So um, what specifically, if anything, uh, caught your eye while you were down at the show this year? Hmm. Well, I do use Blast, and I needed to learn how to use it better, so I went and bothered Mike Hill, and <laughs> I thought that that was uh, pretty cool. I don't like to read directions, so I'd rather be shown what to do. And yeah. I thought that uh, Blast is going to help me. You know, I'm kind of selfish. Um, I, I want to know what it's going to do, how it's going to help. And it's not so much, I don't want to steal his thunder, but it's not so much what you do, it's how you do it. And mm-hmm. I can have sur- surge attacks. So I believe that um, uh, that definitely I need blast motion. So I thought that was really good. I saw some new clothing lines, Canona. I think we've had Tammy yep. on before. And, you certainly have, um, yeah. Yeah, I thought she was great. And uh, I thought Canona was great. And I just, there was lots of neat, neat things, new teaching aids. So. Yeah, I yeah, they've, they've always got some interesting gadgets, um, and, and I did see some of the clothing lines, both men and women's. Of course, as I mentioned, they were featured on um, throughout the, the week uh, on Golf Channel. And, uh, you know, obviously um, people can, can uh, that tuned in would obviously know a little bit better. And I'm not going to get into specific lines and, and things like that because there, there's just so much to, to take in. But lots of new stuff. So, um, you know, you can actually pretty much Google 
2019 PJ Merchandising Show, and uh, it'll actually show you some of the highlights. But one of the things that really caught my interest, and in, in, you know, obviously there's a lot of equipment. We'll we'll talk about a little bit of that, but um, some of the new technology. And one of the things that I thought was really really cool, and I don't know if you saw this or not, Cindy, when you were there, uh, you know, walking around or, or caught any of the. Um, you know, bit from uh, the Golf Channel, but uh, Club Car, of course, as most of you know, is a leader in uh, golf carts. Um, most of your golf cars, uh, courses, you'll see Club Car, which is their their uh, carts. Well, they've come up with a new product called Tempo Walk, and um, what it is, Cindy, is it is a um, self-driving uh, caddy, if you will. Um, or, or small golf cart. It's uh, got, I think, three wheels. Uh, you put your bag in it. Um, it's also got a spot for, um, you know, when you're uh, repairing divots out in the fairway, you've got your sand and your grass mix and this little scoop there. And there's even a little compartment um, that uh, can put a small cooler so you can take some refreshments with you and, and uh, some other areas if you want to put a jacket and things like that, and of course uh, your umbrellas uh, with your bag. But Cindy, what was really cool about this product was that um, it was self-propelling. And essentially what you did uh, when they demonstrated is you wore a little device uh, on the back of your belt, and as you walk, it follows you wherever you go. So for those of you that maybe are a little tired of, of yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's some pros and cons to it. Um, and, and it's very, very accurate. Obviously, it uses very advanced technology. I don't know if it's uh, similar uh, to like a GPS or not, or, or whether it's actually very similar to if you've ever seen drones. For those of you that see how the drones operate, um, you can actually do the same thing. You can actually, with a device, you can actually have it follow you wherever you go so it can take photos and that. But what was really nice about this is, you know, a lot of people complained over the years, Cindy, that, um, you know, that they, they miss the sort of the walking aspect of golf um, you know years ago more people walked and uh, then of course you know with demand um, you know they were ushering people around a little quicker and they wanted you to take a cart in a lot of courses well uh, some of the newer generations coming up uh, millennials and so forth they want to go back to walking and so club car came up with this new product uh, again uh, tempo walk and it literally follows you around carries all the stuff that you need to carry and when you stop, it stops. It stays a, a good distance from you, not too far, but, uh, you know, so it's not in, in your, uh, you know, um, line of sight, if you will, or, or interfering with your swing. And then when you start walking, it very easily goes up hills and so forth. The only downside that I saw with this, um, and then I'll get your thoughts on what you think about the idea, is you have to stay at a fairly neutral pace if you try to quicken your pace or if you get into and this is what they demonstrate if you get into too quick of a, a little short jog if you will um, the signal will will sort of get lost you'll get too far ahead of it so it was a little bit uh, you know needs maybe some perfecting but it was a great product what, what do you think about that it would drive me crazy but I think for the right person <laughs> it's probably amazing yeah, um, and, and I, I would assume that, and again, they didn't get into all, all of the uh, specifics, but, uh, you know, you can certainly go to clubcar.com and, uh, and check out the, the full specs on it. But um, a couple of things that I thought would, would bother me, number one, if you, 
you know, if you were somebody that had a fairly quick uh, pace, if you will, uh, or you were trying to rush things up a little bit, that if the signal gets lost, you've got to kind of walk back uh, to wherever it stops and regain the signal and, and get. Um, I imagine, obviously, you can, you know, turn it on and off. Um, the one part of it that kind of bothered me a little bit was if you got in a situation where you hit your ball, let's say, into the to the woods, um, you know, some golf courses might be fairly clean. It could probably get in there, but uh, you certainly don't want this thing following in there and get stuck because it's pretty big. I mean, it's a pretty good size, so I don't imagine you can lift it, uh, you know, if it got stuck on, on a limb or something. But, <coughs> pardon me, but uh, it, it was very interesting technology, and I think, Cindy, what it's going to do, and, and you know where this is going to go, is eventually you're going to see um, a an AI, if you will, development where it'll actually be a full-blown caddy. Uh, and I can see that. W- what do you think about that? Uh, I don't know. I, <laughs> I would, yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't want something following me around. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, but that's me, you know, you know I, so somebody who is, um, really can't carry their bag, you know, maybe this is awesome. I don't know. Well, I guess the idea is, again, what it's designed to do is to allow you to walk more, which I think is a great idea. Um, And some people don't want to pull. I mean, there's a lot of great other advancements. I mean, it's very similar to some of the other uh, power caddies, if you will, that are already currently out there. The difference is this actually follows you, um, whereas the others, you know, you sort of have to kind of keep tabs on it. It it might start to, to veer off or something. Um, and uh, or and or tip over, but um, it's certainly a very interesting piece of technology. And, and you're right; some people may not uh, feel comfortable about it. Uh, I did think it was a good product. Um, I just don't know how big of an application it's going to have. But again, you know, we we could be wrong. Um, I'm kind of old school. Uh, I like to just walk, and I'll carry or or you know use a pull cart, or depending on the, the course uh, setup, uh, you know, I'll I'll take a a regular power cart, but. Um, I, I don't know. I just thought it was very interesting technology, and I can certainly see, um, and I'm sure they're already hard at work. Somebody's probably already developed it, but you're going to see it with AI. You know, Mark Cuban, of course, uh, one of the um, stars on uh, Shark Tank, talked about this uh, leading up to, to the last uh, major election. You know, he said that uh, AI is going to be within three to five years. You're going to see it implemented, and they're already talking about it now. Uh, in cell phone technology, the next ad- major advancement is going to be huge. So it's definitely coming. Uh, I don't think we're going to be able to stop it, but uh, I just don't know whether I want to see it in every application out there. Um, I think you probably agree with that as well, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, we want people to be comfortable and, and obviously have a, a good experience. Um, but I think what it's ultimately going to do is you know, like anything else, we're, we're trying to keep the costs in golf down. And I just think sometimes with some of this technology, which is probably going to be very expensive, at least at first, um, I don't know whether that's going to drive the costs up. So that, that would be a concern uh, for me. Was there anything else, Cindy? Uh, I know you, uh, did you get a chance to go out, uh, on the, uh, uh, at the demo day out at uh, Orange, uh, Orange National? Did you go out and watch any of the uh, new equipment out there? Yeah, I did. I did, but you know what? It's so busy. I, I didn't really, I don't like to hit shots, so I just kind of snoop and see if there's anything. I went over to the U.S. Kids Golf uh, event, and I watched the um, 
you know, I watched people hit balls. I looked at the new stuff a little bit. I got a new glove. I got my putter cut down that I bought from Kenny Knox. Um, I was grateful he was there. He custom fit me for a putter when I went for the um, U.S. Kids Golf Level 2 certification training. Um, But, no, I didn't see anything exciting. Yeah, you know, it it goes back to the same, and and it's very interesting to see a lot of the new equipment. Um, You know, I a lot of times will visit some of the stores that that carry some of the big, especially the big box stores like Dick's and and others, and and obviously I go in and out of some of the pro shops and see some of the new equipment as it comes out, you know, after the show. And it really kind of seems to be following the same pattern. I mean, the designs are slightly different, but, um, you know, I, I always go this and I think you probably sort of follow the same suit. I think equipment's great. I think it's very interesting and, and certainly there is some game improvement uh, products out there. But when it comes to hitting the ball, if you're not, you know, making the proper contact, I don't care what club you put in your, you know, your bag, whether it's, you know, a, a, an old driver that you got at a flea market or whether it's a $500 driver that, you know, you, you just purchased online. Um, if you're not able to swing the club properly and make you know, solid contact, it's not going to gain you any additional yards. In fact, it's probably going to be more frustrating. So I think you need to learn to use the equipment first. Um, and then, you know, maybe down the road when you improve a little bit, you know, maybe if you want to treat yourself um, to, you know, a little bit nicer equipment, then by all means do that. But I think, you know, you have to put the cart before the horse. Uh, what are your thoughts there? I agree. <laughs> I, I, and that's probably not what our listeners want to hear, but, you know, guess who's swinging the club? Yeah. That's you know, what it boils that, down sort of the... to. And I'm not saying that there isn't some great stuff. I mean, the new Callaway stuff, the Epic yeah. Flash driver, I, you know, it's supposed to go farther. Again, I'm all in for buying some yardage. I would love to buy some yardage. Um, but, again, it's guess who's holding the club? Yeah, exactly. Um you know, we've had the pleasure and we're going to do it again this year. In fact, it'll be coming out, uh, I believe, the end of this week with the new schedule for the Symmetra Tour. We're going to be interviewing, uh, as the season go on, uh, goes on, Cindy, we're going to be interviewing some of the winners again this season off of the Symmetra Tour. And, and uh, you know, as they progress and, and try to earn their their full card on the LPJ Tour, um, you know, and we've talked to some of them and, you know, they're hitting that thing out there pretty far. But even they will admit that if you're not able to you know swing the club properly it's not the equip whatever equipment you have in your bag is not going to make a difference so and we've had a few of them over the years that have, have mentioned that so um you know get out there and and connect with with your local golf professional and uh learn how to play the game and learn how to have some fun and don't worry so much uh certainly you want to make sure you get some um decent equipment and make sure you're fitted properly i think that's more important than than what maker model and, and and so forth but i think that's probably number one is make sure that you understand how to play the game from all aspects um before you go out and make a a, a pricey investment and and really you don't need to this day and age there's some great equipment out there that's very very affordable uh and lots of places to do that but but you know connect with your local professional and and um and you know seek their advice on it and and they'll certainly put you together with with what suits uh, your game at that time um all right Cindy, i want to also move on um you know uh, again people can go online and, and check out or or 
recap some of the stuff that we've seen on on the Golf Channel. But I want to go. One of the other big hot topics this season uh, coming up, of course, was uh, or actually at the end of last season, uh, was some rule changes. And there are about 20 of uh, the rules. We're not going to get into all of them uh, coming into the new season. And uh, some of them were a little bit uh, interesting and, and others, but I thought uh, I picked three of them that we'll talk a little bit about here. Um, and then we'll, we'll talk with our, our special guest, uh, Mike Hill, in, in a little bit. But um, some interesting changes, and, and I'm just going to read a little bit here, and then I'm going to get your thoughts on it. Um, the first one we're going to talk about is um, and the category, and I'm going to give you the category, subcategory, and, and then what the current rule and, and the new rule is. Um, and it, this falls under the ball at rest. Um, and the subcategory is ball moved. Um, so here's the topic. Uh, player accidentally moves his or her ball during a search. So you've hit your ball, you know, uh, off the, the grid, if you will, and uh, it, maybe it's, it's fallen into some long grass and you're searching. Um, the current rule, Cindy, is a one-stroke penalty if you move the ball during your search. Um, the new rule now comes out there will be no penalty assessed. What are your thoughts on that? Do you agree with that? Do you think it's necessary for that particular rule? It's very simple, but um, what, what are your thoughts there? Well, I think, yes, it's, I agree with the rule. I agree with the new rule. I agree that, right. you know, no one's trying to move their ball and they're looking for it. Um, you've got to replace it, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I again, I, I, I must tell you this, though. I'm a little concerned about, playing in a tournament because there are so many new rules and like the penalty area and where you drop. And I I got news for you. The rules officials are going to be very busy this year because (laughs) I don't want to do something I'm not supposed to do. And I believe that, you know, it's going to be very easy to break a rule that you didn't know you broke. And when we play, you know, golf for so many years, the other way, it's going to be a little like, oh, boy, what did I just do? So I totally agree with this rule. I think, you know, you can't help it if you happen to kick your ball. And now I think it might even make finding balls easier because you can, like, swoosh the grass with your feet. And if you hit it, you hit it. Whereas yeah. before, you had to be a little more careful. Yeah, I agree with that. I think this was a smart rule change. Um, and I th- and I imagine, obviously, if there's an intentional movement, in other words, if they, you know, which I don't think you're going to see in a tournament, but if somebody is, is improving a lie or, or, or something that affects that hasn't been hit out of bounds um, and it's in, a, in play um, and somebody, you know, is, is caught improving the lie, then I'm, I'm sure that the rules official, if they're called in, um, uh, you know, let's say the competitor uh, happens to notice that uh, somebody's moving it with their foot, um, then obviously I think that a penalty would probably would apply there. But um, I, I agree with this because a lot of times you get it snarled up in some grass, you can't see it, you're moving it around. Um, it's very, very unfair in some situations, especially in a tournament. But you're exactly right. Your point is very valid. Um, I think you're going to see – we've already started to see it actually in tournament play right now where um, there's been some confusion on, on some of the rules. And, and again, I think it's like as you suggested, uh, a lot of folks have been playing the same way uh, for so many years – uh, especially at tournament level, and then all of a sudden they, they've got to sort of rethink their, their strategy and, and their game. And then that, that actually falls into strategy. So I agree with that. Um, and, you know, I, I agree. I don't think there needs to be a penalty in this case, with the exception of obviously if there's an intentional movement um, uh, in order to improve lie. Um, 
Okay, so let's let's go on to another one here. This is playing the ball, uh, this category, and seeking advice and help uh, is the subcategory. And the topic here, of course, and we see a number of uh, players, both on the men's and ladies' tours, uh, Sunny, that have done this, but the uh, caddy standing behind a player to help the player's alignment. Under the current rule, uh, a caddy is permitted to stand on line behind the player while the player is taking a stance and preparing to play, but must not stand there while the player makes a stroke. Under the new rule, the caddy, in a sense, I'll read it out, but the caddy, in a sense, is not allowed to deliberately uh, stand on or close to the extended line of play behind a player while the player is taking his or her stance until the stroke has been made. So in other words, in layman's terms, uh, before you could get behind and, and, uh, and help your player uh, find that, uh, that line, um, and then had to move out when they were ready to to actually uh, make the stroke. Now you're not allowed to be anywhere near that that uh, extended line um, until after they've actually hit the ball. So, um, what are your thoughts there? Um, and then I'll tell you what I think. Well, I am one that has had trouble aligning, but I can tell you that every time I have Alan or my caddy line me up, I get too left brain and I hit the shot terrible anyway. So I think, right. you know, it's time to learn to line up and trust what you're doing <laughs> and shut up and hit the ball. And I, I agree <laughs> that I think the new rule is a good rule. What do you think? Um, you know, I'm kind of on the fence a little bit on it, I'll be honest. Um, I, I think that the original rule, um, the, or the past rule, I think, in my opinion, could have stood only because I don't think it's really giving... Now, if, if the player, which obviously can't happen, but if the caddy was behind during uh, the player making the stroke, that's a little bit different story. Um, but I think, to you know, it's the same thing on the green. If, if you know, if you're lining up a putt, uh, a lot of caddies have helped their players over the years line up for that putt. I don't see it really being um, any major advantage as long as everybody can do it. Um, so... But on the same token, the player's there to play in the tournament, not the caddy. Um, the caddy can certainly give advice, but I don't think they actually have to get there, you know, down on their knee or, or what have you, or stand behind the player to, to give them that uh, uh, specific viewpoint. So I think they can certainly articulate. Uh, I don't think there's any issues there as far as the rules concerned. They just can't actually physically uh, or deliberately stand. So that's going to be hard for some because there's been a number of players over the years, Cindy, that have relied on that caddy to help them find the line. So it's going to be interesting to see how those players uh, manage that uh, as time goes on. Um, what do you think? I totally agree. I don't think they're going to be very comfortable or happy. No. And, yeah, and, and I think a lot of it, too, boils down to, as we've talked about so many times, people learn differently, and, and some people are very visual creatures. Um, and, you know, some people can very easily – uh, see that line, others have a little bit more difficulty, and that's probably why they, uh, in those situations, rely on their caddy a little bit more. So um, I, I think it's an interesting rule. I, I kind of, you know, kind of go either way. Uh, I don't. I personally didn't have a problem in doing that, again, as long as they're not there uh, when the player uh, is, is actually uh, hitting the stroke. But, um, you know, I'm okay with the, with the new rule on that because, um, again, it, it's keeping everybody in the same thing. But I think there are going to be some players out there that, as you mentioned in, in the previous one, that have been, uh, you know, sort of used to having their caddy be that, that extra set of eyes for them, and they're not going to have that the same way. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting. 
Um, now, this is another one, uh, Cindy, of the rules that um, is very, very common. They talked a lot about this on the Golf Channel um, during the PGA Merchandising Show and, and other times. Um, but is taking relief is, is the category and the new dropping procedure. Um, and I see some pros and cons with this. So um, what they're talking about here, folks, uh, for, for those of you tuning into the show, is, is how to drop a ball. Uh, the current rule is that you would stand erect, um, hold the ball at shoulder height and arm's length, and then, of course, uh, drop the ball within the, um, the required area. Um, under the new rule, the ball must be dropped straight down from knee height, the height of a player's knee, uh, when in a standing position. So you're kind of uh, almost in a, um, your athletic position, if you will, like you would stand at a, at a dress uh, when you're dressing the ball, and then you're, you're dropping it from your knee. What do you think uh, about this one here? I, I'm kind of on the fence, too, on this one. I, I, I don't have an issue with the old rule, and I don't understand why they made this change, what, what the advantage or disadvantages are. Um, I don't either, and I don't know why. I, I really well, don't. I, I'm like, okay, whatever. It's not a big deal. I guess it's, um, you know, so the ball can't do a lot of different things. I mean, I, I'm uh, sure you watched the tournament Sunday afternoon with Ricky. I mean, God bless right. him. He drops the ball and yeah. he walks away and the ball goes in the water. It's like, how screwed can you be? You know, yeah. So I just think it's it's very weird. Well, you know, here here's the problem, and it goes back to what we just talked about here with the other with the previous rule. Um, I can see, you know, obviously in tournament play it's a little bit different, um, but when you get with some of your amateurs out there, and I, again, I know they're not going to be quite as steadfast as, as obviously the professionals, or unless they're playing in a tournament. But you know you're going to see some um, elderly p- players or mature players, particularly that are going to find that very uncomfortable. Um, you know you're kind of getting in that position, and uh, you know not that you're holding it for any length of time, but it's an odd, you know, stance if you will. And I, I guess really the only reason they're doing it, and this, I'm, I'm only guessing on this because I didn't get into all the, the nitty gritty, if you will, of, of the rules, but. Um, I'm assuming what they're doing is uh, dropping it from uh, traditionally from the shoulder height uh, would open, as, as you mentioned, um, a myriad of, of issues where it could kick off and, and you know, go into a different area and, and they had to keep redropping. I guess their thought is if they drop it from a lower uh, height that it's going to be more apt to settle um, within the desired area. So uh, that's really the only benefit of it. But I just think it, it kind of looks a little bit, you know, um, I don't know, it just looks kind of a little bit funky, <laughs> if you will. And I'm sure there's some people that are going to, you know, non-tournament people that are going to cheat a little bit. Just I'm not going to, you know, crouch down and, and drop this from any. I'm just going to drop it. So, I mean, I, I, it's not a big deal, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I just don't see it as being um, a, a big problem. But uh, I, I wouldn't have done it. I don't think it was necessary. But um, so those are just some of the the basic rules, Cindy, there, as I said, there was 20 more. Um, there are 20 overall rule changes for t- uh, 2019. So uh, for those of you out there that, that want to brush up, um, that don't already have one, um, get your cop- uh, copy of the USGA's rule book um, to make sure that you're playing by the rules. And you can do that by going to usga.org. 
uh, and you can actually get one there. And uh, I think pretty much all of your golf courses, you can you can get one through them too. A lot of them will, will carry it uh, on hand, but um, definitely want to get it. There are some other rule changes. There uh, again, about 20 in total. Um, most of them are, are uh, evolving around uh, the actual play of, of the ball, and uh, obviously there was some uh, bunker uh, ones as well that uh, definitely want to make sure um, that you take note of. But uh, very interesting to the rule changes, and uh, we'll see what happens. Absolutely. All right. Well, Cindy, um, thank you as always for a, a great discussion this morning. We're going to uh, move on to our interview segment uh, with our very special guest this morning, Mike Hill. Uh, he is the uh, East Sales Manager uh, with uh, Blast Motion. And let me just tell you, um, folks, every uh, just a little bit about uh, Mike, some, some of his background, and then we'll, we'll welcome on to the show and, and continue our uh, discussion. Uh, Mike's from Sykesville, Maryland, a uh, small town just west of Baltimore. Uh, graduated from NC State University in Raleigh, North Carolina, majored in uh, professional golf management, uh, was inducted into the PGA of America in June of 2013. Uh, some of the places that he previously worked was at TPC Potomac in Maryland, uh, Doral uh, Golf Resort in Miami, and uh, also worked at GolfNow.com, which of course is a division of Golf Channel and NBC Sports. And some of his other interests, of course, uh, he likes to travel, uh, loves being outdoors, uh, enjoys uh, even doing some cooking, and uh, is uh, also enjoys going to sporting events and uh, working out among uh, many other things. So um, I, I saw that he just uh, got cut off, so we'll wait for him to call back in, and then we'll, uh, we'll actually bring him on. But uh, I'm very interested to hear about this because I, I did do a little bit of research on uh, this particular product, but I definitely, as you do, Sydney, want to hear a little bit more about it, and I see he's back online. So um, Cindy, let's uh, welcome our very special guest this morning, Mike Hill. Good morning. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for doing that. Yeah, sorry. We're, I, we're uh, very... My call failed. <laughs> my call failed a second ago, and if I uh, if I for some reason drop off, I'll uh, I'll dial back in as fast as possible. Not a problem. No worries. Well, Mike. Uh, yeah. First off, welcome to uh, the Women of Golf Show. Cindy and I are very honored to have you this morning, and. And um, I think, Cindy, what we'll do is we'll just maybe have Mike give us a brief overview about what exactly um, is Blast Motion, just for the folks, give a general uh, overview, and then we'll get into a little bit more specifics about how it works and, and so forth. So, uh, Mike, uh, the floor is all yours. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Blast Motion is an information company uh, based in Carlsbad, California. So, uh, for those maybe not so familiar with the geography of California, it's just north of San Diego, about 45 minutes. Uh, but we're an information company that uses 3D motion sensors and cloud technology to provide motion analysis and performance insights to athletes and coaches. Um, we are more than just golf. We are also in the baseball and softball space, believe it or not. We, we currently work with over 60% of Major League Baseball teams, uh, including wow. the Houston Astros and the Boston Red Sox, which – uh, just won the, the last two World Series is something that we're, we're incredibly proud of. Um, and then we're also the official sensor technology of certainly a, a growing segment in the sports industry from a sensor uh, technology perspective. Um, but really what we're doing is we're providing instant feedback to golfers and coaches. And our main goal as a business is to really improve 
the golfer or the athlete and then to really help the coach become more effective in what they do and how they communicate and, and how they connect with athletes. Um, so, yeah, that's a little bit of foundation um, just about blast and, and, you know, kind of what we do. Perfect. Well, Cindy mentioned um, earlier in the program, uh, obviously one of the reasons she wanted to invite you on is, is um, she has the product and would like to know a little bit more. So Cindy, what, I, I know you've got some probably questions for Mike, um, a little bit more specific about the product itself. Well, he answered most of them at the show. I think what was really cool is I've got a few of the um, the sensors, needless to say, and I use them with our, our kids that we train that want to compete. And some of them have purchased the sensors, and I've also paid to have my own online academy, if you will, so I can see what my students are doing when they're at home practicing or out of town or if they're in college, which is really cool. But I didn't realize that I could set the parameters. And again, um, Mike, you can help us here, but typically you want your putting stroke to be two to one. Yes? Yeah, so a little bit about like how the technology works specifically. Um, the, so what we're providing the consumer, the athlete, is a sensor. Right, so this uh, this 3D motion sensor is about the size of a dime. Um, it weighs about eight grams, and it goes on the butt end of a golf club. Um, it's one sensor that can be, you know, rotated from any club in the bag. So, for instance, you can throw it on a putter, um, and you can roll putts and get feedback because information from this sensor is sending uh, data to a mobile app via Bluetooth. So hmm. I can throw it on a putter, get feedback, and then I can switch that sensor over to, for instance, a sand wedge and hit pitch shots and get feedback from the sand wedge. So the data that you're getting is instantaneous. And um, you'll notice for anyone that happens to use Blast that there's a ding or a noise that you hear after every shot. Uh, and then your mobile device will read back information to you. So it's a really neat experience and something that's new in the sports world as, as far as instant feedback. Um, but the, the data that we're capturing for the athlete is really meant to be incredibly easy to understand and then um, really actionable information. So um, the, the main message that we're trying to communicate to golfers is the importance of timing and tempo, right? Um, we right. all know tempo is important. Uh, whether it's with a putter or with a driver. And we all uh, sometimes after a round of golf come off and say, man, my timing was so off today, right? They're trying to find reasons why they couldn't, you know, hit a green or hit a fairway. And, and really what we're doing is we're quantifying that timing. We're quantifying the feeling of um, when something's off in your golf swing. And the data that, that we're presenting is really based off, like, what makes tour players so good at what they do. Right. Um, we have found from our research and from uh, we actually had over two and a half million strokes from players of all types. So PGA Tour players, LPGA players, Champions Tour players. And um, what we found after that data set and after that analysis is that they're repeating the timing of their putting stroke specifically to within two to four one hundredths of a second on every single wow. putt. 
So what that means is a four-foot putt, in theory, should take the same amount of time to complete as a 20-foot putt, which is, which is really hard to believe. Uh, you know, I get a lot of uh, questions like, how could a 20-foot putt take the same amount of time because you're taking the clubs farther back in, in length? And um, right. what we found is that as you repeat the timing of this motion, whether it's a, a full swing or a putting stroke, um, you're actually eliminating variables, right? You're creating a controlled environment, which allows you to create consistent acceleration patterns. And really the end goal of this is we want to control distance. And as you can control time, you're able to control your ability to uh, manage distance on the green. Uh, and the same philosophy applies with wedges, right, specifically inside 100 yards, really trying to dial in the timing and tempo of that swing to, to manage your, your forces on that golf ball. So um, in a nutshell, that's a little bit about, like, the, the, the data that we're capturing. Uh, and to Cindy's point, like, you can really get granular with the information, um, but – from a coaching perspective, it's important to keep things, you know, super simple for, for the athlete um, and the coach is allowed to really cater and customize goals and drills for athletes, um, for students, I guess, in particular. And then as students, you know, travel, and in Cindy's case, when students aren't necessarily with their coach every day, the coach is now able to be a little bit more mobile and in seeing information for each student and prescribing uh, virtually because they're able to get all of that data at once. Wow, very interesting. Um, Cindy, go ahead if you've got another question. I've yeah, got some too. But Again, I'm not that smart, but tell me why, again, the timing is the same on a five-footer and a 30-footer. Explain that slowly. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll do my best <laughs> to, to try to simplify it. But, um, you know, when we, when we got the information – from, you know, the, the tour data set, uh, we saw that, you know, these tour players were repeating their, their putting stroke. Uh, on average, their backstroke time took about 0.60 seconds, and their forward stroke time took 0.30 seconds. So in the app, we're, we're quantifying that in the form of tempo, which tempo we just defined as the ratio of backstroke over forward stroke time. So with a backstroke time of 0.6, with a four-stroke time of 0.3, that gives us a tempo of two to one, which is pretty, I would say, common as far as the golf industry goes with, from a tempo perspective, trying to, to hone in that two to one tempo with a putter in your hand. So um, what, what the team did back, I think it was four or five years ago, was, okay, we have this information. We're seeing a two to one tempo. We're seeing the average time of 0.6 back and 0.3 through to impact, there needs to be a little bit more validity to this data set, right? So they ended up going to some scientists and, and those that specialize in physics and trying to get an understanding of, well, why, why are we getting a two-to-one tempo? And um, long story short, really, it, they came back and said, it's, it's, it's pretty simple. It's, uh, it's the law of a pendulum. Right. Um, and, you know, you, you'll, you'll hear a bunch of different, um, you know, perspectives and, and thoughts out in the industry about pendulums and putting. And 
you know, ultimately we know putting is not necessarily the exact same as a pendulum, um, although there are a lot of similarities with uh, something rotating around that fixed point. But um, what we've found is that pendulums, when they, when they rotate around that fixed point, regardless of how high a pendulum rotates, so uh, let me try to paint a picture here. If, if we're looking at a clock, right, we have, we have 12 o'clock at the very top, we have 3 o'clock on the right, we have 6 at the bottom, and we have 9 o'clock on the left, right? right? If we were to drop the object of a pendulum starting at 3 o'clock and we were to drop it down to 6 o'clock, which is where impact would be, pendulum, that motion takes a certain amount of time to get from three to six, right? You follow me there? Yep. Yep. So if we were to drop that same exact pendulum from two o'clock down to six, so it's a little bit higher than where that three o'clock pendulum was dropped, the time that it takes to get from two o'clock down to six and three o'clock down to six is actually the exact same time. The only thing that's changing in that motion is obviously, one, the length, because it's being dropped from a higher point. But two, the speed of that object is moving faster in order to get down to where impacts would be or to where that six number is on the clock at the same time. So in putting, when we have longer backstrokes versus a shorter backstroke, the putter head has to travel faster back and faster through in order to maintain that consistent time. When the time of that motion changes, we change everything else that happens underneath of that time umbrella, right? So when we think about what happens in that putting stroke, we have acceleration happening, we have speed happening, we have rotation, right? Rotations per second. So when when the timing of that motion changes, we change and influence all of those different aspects that happen. So when we keep time the same, we eliminate the variable of influencing those different um, pieces, right? Acceleration, time, and rotation. So right. um, I don't know if, if that really kind of pieced together, but in a nutshell, we're just trying to keep time the same because now we're able to control our ability to generate acceleration on the golf ball. No, you, that makes perfect sense. And, and, you know, you're exactly right. Um, you know, I've heard that before. And obviously, you know, centrifugal force um, you know, plays a factor again, regardless of the distance that the, the item is being dropped or the pendulum is being dropped um, by gaining speed, as you suggest, it's it's going to catch up, um, but in the same time frame. And and that obviously is very useful information um, to a player because, as you mentioned in the beginning, you know, if their timing's off uh, or if they're forcing a movement, um, then it's going to affect their overall stroke. So having that data available. Um, is definitely. Let me just ask, Cindy, if you don't mind, I just want to ask a question um, with respect to something that that uh, Mike had, had mentioned earlier about being able to track students. 
Um, let's say as an example, you know, Mike, Cindy was working with a student last Tuesday um, and they've recorded, you know, some data through that, that lesson. We'll just keep it simple in saying on the putting, uh, on the, working on the putting uh, aspect of it. And this week she's uh, traveling and isn't going to have time to see the student but the student's going to go out and, and work on some of those same things. Now, obviously, she can go on and see the progress at some point. How much data um, or how long of a time frame is the question I'm looking for? Um, will the, the information be held? In other words, like as an example, she can go back and look and compare last Tuesday to what's happening today and then maybe even next Tuesday. What's the procedure there and, and how does it work that way? Yeah, so how how the academy piece works with BLAST is as as students are using the sensor, um, that information from that sensor is not only sending to that student's mobile app, uh, it's also sending to the coach's online academy, right? Um, mm -hmm. And this is instant. So, for instance, as students are traveling and generating feedback, Cindy is able to, in theory, see that feedback in real time. And um, now in their academy or in Cindy's academy, she's able to manage all of her students individually. She can filter it by student. And then she has more customization along the lines of filtering it by practice session, filtering it by time frame filtering it by club, and it can go back to the beginning of time that that student has worked with that particular coach. So there's no restrictions as far as time okay. lag or data storage. Uh, she can really compare and contrast performance um, at any point, whether it be, you know, week over week or, or month over month from that standpoint. Yeah, and Cindy, that would be huge really for, for you working, you know, with one of your um, players or, or students even to be able to show a progress and a consistency over time uh, or, you know, being able to pinpoint areas where, um, you know, you've had, you know, uh, individuals who've gone out and played in the tournament didn't do very well. You can now analyze some of the data, you know, leading up before and after as well, um, giving you some, some very good information on where, what needs working on and, and so forth. Um, what are your thoughts, Cindy? Absolutely, and here, here's one of the things that, again, um, my downfall is I don't like to read directions. I married somebody who does, so, and I have a student who is going to be playing D1 college golf next year, and her dad is the same as Alan, so they've got these three things you can measure, and I had no idea that you could measure the rotation of the face. And so we had another student who plays D1 golf right now. She's the senior and she wants to play on the tour. And she was real hesitant about, I don't know. I, you know, I, wh why would I use this thing? And I said, here, just put it on your putter. <clears throat> and the other dad of the girl who's going to play college golf, had it measuring the rotation change. And this girl's putter face was like three point something open. Is this? So it made this, the girl that's playing college golf right now go, wait, what? You know, and, and I had no idea. So 
needless to say, they bought a sensor. She took it back to school with her. She's practicing with it. It's like, you can't do this. This is terrible. And and she was not only doing that, but she was deselling. So anyway, I I mean, Mike, you just got to slap me in the head or whatever, knock me in the, you know, wake me up because there's a lot of things that can be measured that I haven't paid attention to. And it's very, very important. Yeah. Um, it, it's funny. A lot of, uh, well, I guess I'll, I'll just use myself as an example. Um, frankly, when I growing up, like I didn't really know how to practice putting. I didn't really know how to um, use my time or spend my time wisely on the, the putting green. And I think we can all probably attest to the fact that we would prefer to, to take full swings, uh, beat, you know, beat the driver on the driving range. And, uh, you know, ultimately we get to the golf course and we, we start free putting and we can't manage our distance and direction. And really what, what blast has opened my eyes up to is, is how to spend your time on the, the putting green, how to, how to really become more efficient about how you practice. Um, and through, through the technology, I'm able to get feedback that's objective, right? I'm able to know what I'm doing. Um, you know, is it right? Is it not right? Right. And if, and if what I'm doing is not correct, or if it's not the right way, I'm able to know exactly what I'm doing wrong and how to fix it. Um, so through, through the technology, specifically speaking to Cindy, your point about rotation, I've, I've constantly been a tad open uh, through the technology and to just speak to some of the, the metrics that we're capturing through the app, um, we're showing how much the, the club face is opening in the backstroke and then how much it closes back in the forward stroke. Um, so we're able to capture what we call rotation change, which is simply the, 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 a snapshot of where the putter is at impact relative to address. Right. So um, you'll, you'll see that if you're aligned or if you're set up open or if you're set up closed at address, but you somehow figure out a way to keep your ball online, the app is going to read back that you're either open or closed at impact. And that, you know, that makes people scratch their head. Like, how can that be possible? But the reality is, is they don't realize that they're just set up improperly. They're either open or closed at, at address. So um, there's a lot of, you know, eye-opening opportunities that, that the app can provide you. And, and really what it does is it just really reiterates the importance of repeating emotion, right? If we can't repeat emotion, um, then we're, we're losing our ability to just manage everything that happens within that motion. And if you look at all of the, you know, all professional sports and all of these, you know, incredible athletes out there, like, for instance, I always use Steph Curry as an example, but his jump shot, he, he is so good at it because he's able to repeat that motion over and over and over. And I, I can bet, I haven't, we haven't measured this, but I bet the time that it takes from the time he gets the, the basketball to the time he releases that ball is very, very consistent from a timing perspective. And if anything were to change from that motion, from a timing perspective, I'm sure either he's going to lose his touch, his feel, or simply the direction in which that ball comes off his hand. So same idea applies in the golf swing. If we can repeat a motion and we can train ourselves uh, from the mind and from, the, I guess, a muscular standpoint to repeat, um, we'll be much better off controlling distance and uh, controlling direction of that golf ball. So let me ask. Uh, let you me go. 
wait one second, Ted, while I got my mind on the same thought. Um, so if I set up to the right, if I aim to the right, it's not going to measure that. But if I aim to the right and I come through open, or is it is it going to tell me that the face was square at address and it came in open or closed? So if you set up open and you come back through impact, well, if you, if you set up open, you're going to have to somehow close the face in order to keep that ball straight to the target, right? So the app is going to show that the face was closed at impact because it's taking a snapshot of where that putter face started versus where it made contact with that golf ball. Right. So if you start open, you need to somehow close the face in order to keep that ball online to the hole. Does that make sense, Cindy? Yeah. So, again, I, I, God bless him, but Bruce Litsky. So if we were watching Bruce Litsky hit shots, we'd say, wow, he comes over the top of every shot he hits. Well, yes, he does. And he comes over the top of every single shot he hits. So he knows that and he plays for that. So I guess my question to you is if someone aims, you know, right and they pull every putt and every putt goes in the hole, it will show that the face comes through shut. Correct? Correct. Yeah. And I just realized in my example, I was describing someone that was close to the target. Yeah. So if you're aimed right, you're going to have to close that club face at impact to keep it online. So it will reflect being closed in the app. Yep. Okay. Now, one more question on a side note. Um, We're doing boot camp and we're starting um, the 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th of February, and we're going to be in Orlando. So if you're bored any one of those days, come on over and help us at Orange (laughs) County. We've got eight kids coming down. I would love to. Awesome. Um. I think you pretty much answered what I was going to ask anyway, Cindy, so I don't need to, to follow up on that. Um, what I'm wondering, though, Mike, is just my final question, and, and then we'll, uh, we'll wrap up, is, is there, do you think, down the road, because it's really not, and I don't mean that, that they would be able to analyze it during that time, but be able to at least record the information do you think that there at some point in future that you could see tournament players being able to utilize this technology again not during the tournament uh, to be able to see what they're doing but to be able to record that information so that after uh, they come off the course they can then analyze what they were doing you know um, based on because obviously as you know during a practice session it's a little bit more controlled but when you're out on the course there's other elements um, that affect your um, your cadence, if you will, your timing and your tempo. Do you see that that's something down the road that you, um, with Blast, would maybe push to, to allow uh, tour players to be able to use that during a tournament? Again, not being able to, to actually um, analyze the, necessarily the technology during the event itself, but be able to re- at least record it um, with a device such as that. Do you think that would be something that would be realistic or um, you know, optional down the road? Yeah, I would say really anything at this point is anything is possible. Um, you know, certainly we would love to get to a point where tour players could throw the sensor on a driver 
play a round right. of golf in a tournament and then after their round be able to understand the data during that round. Um, and what would be really interesting right. is making that information public, right? Like having right. everyday golfer be able to understand, for instance, what Justin Thomas's um, timing was or his rotation on his putter head uh, during a round of play. Um, as it stands now, like for, for your everyday golfer who's, um, you know, really obviously looking to improve their game and, and maybe take their game to the next level, the technology is, um, currently available to be used like during a round of golf. So um, okay. that, that's really what makes Blast a little unique is, you know, not only are you able to use it on the practice green or on the practice tee, but you can take it, play around the golf. And after your round, you can shoot that information up from that sensor because all of the strokes will be stored on the hard drive of that device. You can send it up to your app. And now the, the student and the coach can compare and contrast performance during a tournament or during a round of play versus uh, performance off or on the practice facility. So, um, you know, unfortunately, as it stands, you know, tournament players or tour players can't use it during a tournament. Right. Uh, it's a, a violation of USGA rules. But um, hopefully one day we get, we get to that point. Very quick follow-up on, on, on what you just said. And then, like I said, we'll, we'll wrap up. Um, so if you're using it during a round, uh, again, because I haven't seen how it physically works yet, but um, are you able to filter it out while you're playing so that it identifies the strokes per hole, or does it come as one lump sort of, you know, let's say 100 strokes for argument's sake, um, and, and then you just sort of, you know, do the guesswork. Can you filter it? Like, in other words, when you step up to the first tee, of course, it's, you're going to know it's the first tee, but is there a way to filter it to identify hole by hole? Or, or is that not available yet? Yeah, so the way the, the, the technology is designed is it's designed to be used on one club for a round. Okay. So, um, for instance, I would, I would just encourage maybe throwing it on a putter and playing okay. nine holes. So now when you send that information up to the app, you have data dedicated to your putting performance. Uh, okay. so you can filter out and we numerically show like what stroke was what, right? So you'll have maybe stroke one up to stroke 25. So you'll be able to okay. see, okay, you know, stroke 25, it was a five footer. I hit it five feet by what was my information. So, um, okay. yeah, at this point it is using it with, with one club. Ideal. Okay. Very good. Yeah. No, that, that answers what, what I was looking for. Um, so finally, what's, uh, for those that might be interested in learning more about uh, BLAST uh, Motion, where can they go to, to learn more information about uh, uh, more detail, how it works, and, uh, and how much it costs? Yeah, so um, I would encourage anyone that's interested in learning more about BLAST to go to BLASTmotion.com. That is our website. Um, you'll, you'll see on the website that uh, on the bottom right there's a little button uh, for organizations, academies, or golfers, that they can just push that button and submit information, and then we'll have one of our representatives at BLAST reach out. Um, we also have an online store uh, where we do sell sensors, uh, not only for golf, but for baseball and for softball. Um, mm -hmm. The sensors retail for $150, and the mobile app is free. So it's a, it's a free download in Apple or Android stores. Uh, all they'll have to do is just purchase that sensor with a one-time payment, download the app. 
set up their profile, and then they'll be good to go, um, start using it indoors, outdoors, uh, et cetera. So, um, yeah, best place is blastmotion.com. Perfect. Um, well, Mike, thank you very much for joining Cindy and I this morning on the Women of Golf. Uh, that was a very interesting conversation, learning about the product, and definitely there's some great applications, not only for players out there, but also for, for teacher professionals and coaches like Cindy and I. Uh, I can definitely see how that would be a, a great plus to, to use with students. So thank you for, for joining us this morning. Yep, thanks for having me. appreciate it, Ted and Cindy. Thanks, Michael. Yep, bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. All right, very interesting, uh, very interesting product, Cindy. Uh, I think uh, you're going to really enjoy using this, and and hopefully he'll be able to make it over to uh, Orange County uh, in a few weeks when you go down to do your boot camp. Just let the folks know. I know you're already booked up, but uh, um, you've got a, a boot camp uh, coming up. Uh, and what are the dates? Uh, well, the April one is not full yet, so April 10th to the 14th. Uh, okay. Go to just email me, Cindy at CindyMillerInc.com. Cindy at CindyMillerInc.com. Bootcamp Orange County National and Orlando, Florida, April 10th to the 14th. Perfect. Um, well, what a great show. Great. Um, glad to be back on air, Cindy. As always, it's a pleasure, uh, you know, working with you here on the show. And we've always got some great guests. And and just to to let the folks know, we'll be um, keeping you posted uh, once the Symmetra Tour schedule starts, which should be starting, I'm sure, uh, in the next little bit, uh, we'll start to get some of the uh, winners of that uh, tour on here, as well as some of our other featured guests throughout the year. So make sure you tune in and, and listen to the show each and every week. And, and uh, Cindy and I just want to say welcome back and, and thank you for, uh, for tuning in this morning. Cindy, as always, it's a pleasure. Have a great week, and uh, we'll see everybody next time. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks for listening this morning to the Women of Golf Show. Tune in live each week by visiting blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. If you can't join us live, check out our on-demand section for previously aired broadcasts. To get updates for future shows and upcoming guests, you can follow us on Facebook at Women of Golf. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO and Cindy at Cindy Miller Golf. Please remember to join us next week on the Women of Golf Show. See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.